Hi, this is Jill Jarris. From September 2017 through April 2020, this podcast was known as Olympic Fever. We've since changed its name to keep the flame alive, but we're committed to keeping our back catalog available to you. So please keep the name change and this disclaimer in mind as you listen to it. Olympic is a trademark of the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee, or USOPC. Any use of Olympic in the Olympic Fever podcast is strictly for informational and commentary purposes. The Olympic Fever podcast is not an official podcast of the USOPC. The Olympic Fever podcast is not a sponsor of the USOPC, nor is Olympic Fever associated with or endorsed by the USOPC in any way. The content of Olympic Fever podcast does not reflect the opinions, standards, views, or policies of the USOPC, and the USOPC in no way warrants that content featured in Olympic Fever is accurate. Thanks for listening, and now on to the show. I mean, why is my uterus so much of a concern to the IOC? Mesdames et messieurs, the greatest festival of our contemporary society, the Olympic Games, is about to begin. This is going to be close. Welcome to another episode of Olympic Fever. I am your host, Jill Jarris, joined as always by my lovely co-host, Allison Brown. Hello, Allison. Hello, Jill. Today, we are taking to the skies, soaring to new heights with the sport of ski jumping, which is yet another sport where they take little people and throw them into the air. <laughs> I'm excited to talk about ski jumping because it is something that I really don't get to see all that often. We really don't get to see it all that often here in America because it's not popular. But I'm also so supremely angry. All the research we did and some reading I've done today, I'm just angry, angry, angry. Well, good. Now it's your turn to be angry. Yes, I'm furious. I'm just like I, I can't believe how unfair this sport has been in its existence. And the reason why it's unfair is because women, uh, it's actually, um, ski jumping is one of the OG sports for the winter Olympic games, yes. except for it's only been for the men. Men got to jump in Chamonix in 1924 and women didn't get to jump until Sochi 2014. It took a little while. <laughs> 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 Not sarcastic at all. <laughs> no. But what kills and in, go ahead. in comparison, no, I was going to say, in comparison to other sports, so alpine skiing for both men and women came in at the same time in 1936. And that supremely masculine sport of hockey even was introduced for women way back in 98, but we still could not manage to get women into ski jumping and not because women weren't ski jumping. Right. Because they had been ski jumping since like 1800 something. Yes. But it's just, I can't, I can't even say this because I cannot believe that people thought this way. I, I can't believe that people thought this way as late as like 2011. 
Yes. <laughs> said, the rigors of ski jumping were thought to damage women in a unique way, causing, quote, where did you find this? Um, I think it was in that same Guardian article that I, that I, yeah, so there was a guard, an article by The Guardian, and it was titled something like, why has it taken 90 years? It was written right around the time of Sochi. Why has it taken 90 years? Right, because, you know why? Because women had, quote, wandering womb. Yes. It was going to hurt our uterus to jump in that way. Which is crazy. Which you can, which you can understand in the 1920s. Right. You know, medical uh, advancements not being what they are today, but just the idea that jumping like that would harm a woman's internal organs, yet do nothing to a man's external organs. Just stymies me. Yes. And then I love, we found some great quotes. So in 2005, the head of the International Ski Federation, we're not talking about some random guy on the Norwegian streets. This is John Franco Kaspar said that ski jumping seems not to be appropriate for ladies from a medical point of view. Which kills me. And they didn't really have anything to back it up. All of the doctors and all the scientists from at least the 1960s forward kept saying, nope, women are no different than men when it comes to ski jumping. It's hard on everybody's bodies. There's not something unique that is being damaged in women. Their wombs are fine. They are secure in there. They're not flopping around. <laughs> but but I think uh, one of the reasons why and I don't know why ski jumping is really the target of this ire and why that that sport was the sport that we were going to keep women back in. Because this Guardian article uh, also quoted Russian men's ski jumping coach Alexander Arevyev, who said, and, and I'm quoting here, it's a pretty difficult sport with a high risk of injury. If a man gets a serious injury, it's still not fatal. But for women, it could end much more seriously. Women have another purpose, to have children, to do housework, to create hearth and home. And, and when did he say this approximately? February 10, 2014. Or that's when the not, article came out. So yeah, so in not 1742. Right. Oh, it kills okay. me. Here's my theory. Okay, before we get it, we're, we're going to explain ski jumping a little bit. And then, you know, let's explain ski jumping first and then we'll... We'll come back to my theory as to why ski jumping is the target, as opposed to, say, freestyle. Because when freestyle came in, women were in there right away. Right. They were doing aerials, and nobody worried about their wombs. Right. But there are other sports. There are other sports where you just think that has to be damaging as well. And yet, there was no problem in the Olympics for women. Right. There was well, there was no problem for women doing that sport in the Olympics. Yes. So how how does ski jumping work? Okay, so ski jumping, there are three kinds of ski jumping. There are normal hill, which is 70 meters, large hill, which is 90 meters, and team, which is also done off the 90 meters. Uh, Women only jump off the 70 meter normal hill, and they have not yet come up with a team sport because they don't think there's enough countries with enough women at a world-class level to field full teams. And uh, 
we're going to talk to Sarah Hendrickson in a little bit. And we talked about that a little bit uh, when we spoke. There are three basic parts. There's the takeoff, the flight, and the landing. And along with distance, the jumps are also judged for style. Um, you know, your position in the air, how well you land. So you could go the furthest, but if you fall on your booty, you're going to lose all the points. So you have to have both style and distance. Where you start, so the, the start gate, where they all sit at the little platform, will be adjusted based on wind conditions. So if it's very windy or if the wind is blowing a particular direction, they adjust because the skiers, to land safely, have to land in the K-point, which is one of the terms you're going to hear people talk about. It's, the, it's a steep part of the, uh, the landing area the landing hill, I guess. And if you land there, you can kind of glide out. If you go past it, that can be bad. Right. Because you don't get like the, the benefit of having that pitch and the slope of the hill to help you. Correct. 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 So the big terms you're going to hear is the in run. That's the skiing down the ramp to take off Um, a telemark landing, which that's the ideal. It's one ski is slightly in front of the other. Your knees are softly bent and you're fully balanced. And usually their arms are extended to their sides. You know, sort of like, what was that character from SNL who goes superstar? Oh, uh, Mary Mary Catherine Gallagher. She did a perfect telemark when she did that. So for a visual, you can can look at that. And then K-Point, they'll talk about the... um, the key point landing. So the competition consists of three jumps. One's a, a trial jump and then two score jumps. And the two score jumps, the winner, those two scores are added together. So you get a certain number of points. Your distance is converted into points. And then the style points are awarded by judges. So whoever has the most cumulative points of the two jumps. And the same thing works for the team. It's all cumulative. It's not best of. So that's the basic stuff of how this works. Okay. Why is it called the K-point? It's called the K-point because in German, it's critical, spelled with a K. Oh. So it's the K-point, meaning the critical point. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. I don't, I I guess this was a German thing. Huh. And isn't that kind of the area, aren't there like stripes painted on the snow, which kind of designates where your your k point is yeah the k point is striped with red and the p point which is like a little bit before and a little bit after is striped with blue and you know one of the interesting things i was reading about is that every uh every jumper looks like they're sailing so high and so um long but they're really only like 10 meters off the ground or so they're yes. not that high off the ground actually and it's yeah. a really cool optical illusion what the camera does and how how they are situated against the rest of the hill that makes it look like they're just flying so high this the hills are very very steep you know when we were in like placid we saw the the takeoff uh the two ramps i was surprised at how tall the tower was and how incredibly steep the the hills were so it looked more massive, but if if you went end to end of where you were jumping, you were not that far off the ground. Yeah, which is amazing because when you, and also when you're looking down the tower and down the ramp, and 
there's just this huge drop off after right. after the point where you take off and it it just looks like you got nowhere to go except for out and there's this nothing is a sport I would I would really like to watch in person at yeah, some point it would be really cool I think it's one of those things that must look very very different in person than it just having seen the tower was so different than what I imagined it from having seen it on television right but yeah, I wouldn't want to try it. <laughs> no, no, this is one sport I would not want to try at all. Because no. I, I just, the, the, the amount of control and stability that um, the jumper has to have within their body. You know, they've got to be pretty taut, I think, and, yes. and have an amazing core to be able to keep them, themselves so still in the air. And plus they have to be really light in order to fly yes. farther. Well, you're, you'll be happy to know, Jill, you're too tall. I'm too tall? Yeah. I'm 5'4". Yeah. I'm too tall. You're tall for a ski jumper, a, a lady ski jumper. And I'm too fat. <laughs> well, that goes without saying for me. <laughs> and and so, I'll be honest, there's no way I want to get down to ski jumper size. Let's, yeah. let's begin. Yeah. I, I know my body. It's not going down there. Yeah. So... When we were in New York at Winterfest. Sponsored by Hershey. <laughs> um, I spoke to Sarah Hendrickson, who is listed at 5'4". I think that was generous. Wow, that really? Is, she was so tiny. She's also listed at 95 pounds. What? And honestly, that's probably her jumping weight. But honestly, even with the big coat she had on that day, Maybe she weighed 95 pounds. She was so tiny. Wow. She was a tiny thing. I cannot imagine. Yes. And I, you'll hear me comment <laughs> about her being so tiny that I expected her to be taller. So Sarah Hendrickson uh, is from Salt Lake City. She is the best U.S. Uh, ladies ski jumper. She was the 2013 world champion and the 2012 World Cup champion. and. Because she was the world champion in 2013 at the 2014 Olympics, she had the honor of being the first woman to jump at the event. That makes me want to cry a little bit, I know, right? I know. If I had known that when I talked to her, I would have asked her about it. But uh, in 2013, though, after the season on a training run, she suffered a pretty serious knee injury. She blew her ACL. She blew her MCL. It was um, a devastating injury. So at Sochi, just the fact that she was able to jump at Sochi uh, was pretty remarkable. And she ended up finishing 21st. She was definitely not um, at 100% for the event. But she has had multiple surgeries and she is back on track and she's getting ready for Pyeongchang. I'm excited. Let's take a listen to what uh, Sarah and Allison talked about. Tell me what you want people to know about ski jumping. Um, ski jumping, men's ski jumping was uh, one of the six original winter sports, but women's ski jumping was just added in 2014. So I was able to be a part of that historic event um, in Sochi. Um, I guess, I mean, ski jumping isn't that popular in the U.S., but it is very popular in Europe. Um, but I think like when anybody hears like, oh, you're a sea jumper and they compare it to like Eddie the Eagle or something, um, they always get super intrigued and they're like, oh, I love watching it. But unfortunately, we don't have that much coverage of it in the States. So that can get a little bit frustrating. But um, yeah, I'm on for the word about the sport and just 
a lot of people know that we don't do flips. Like, we don't land in a pool. We do the traditional long distance. Um, and uh, But, yeah, it's, it's a small sport, but it's really amazing. Now, we were just uh, in Lake Placid, so we went to the top of the 90, the 90 meter. And I was terrified. And I was thinking, how do you get over that first, like, how does that first jump happen? I think you start, I mean, you start ski jumping when you're quite young. I started when I was seven. The range um, is about five to really ten years old. And you really have to be fearless. I never had that fear growing up, whether I was mountain biking or um, being whatever. I never had a fear of heights or speed or anything like that. And I think you really have to have that within you. Some kids just aren't um, mentally built for ski jumping and that's totally fine. But you start small and you learn the fundamentals and you gradually work your way up. And it's actually one of the safest winter Olympic sports because it is so old and traditional and all um, the factors are completely monitored and calculated so that we don't out jump the hill or we don't jump it's too windy and um, I think a lot of people um, get that as this um, perception because they think it is so dangerous but really it is safe well you say that yeah and you did out jump a hill I did you did and your knee did not survive right <laughs> fell uh, in 2013 it was a very unique situation because I was training and I was jumping really really well and when we're training we don't have wind meters so we're just um our coaches are just watching the wind and unfortunately it picked up a little bit too much and i was jumping well at the time and yeah i out jumped the hill by about 15 meters and kind of been playing catch up ever since with my right knee now do you think that's an issue having to do with how the women jump versus how men jump because obviously you're lighter the wind is going to affect you more um i mean you could i think like that is why men's and women is comparable is because we are lighter and um, but uh, I mean jump similar distances to the men but we do take more in run speed so right they obviously have more strength on the takeoff because of how women and men are built differently but um, it is one of the sports where we can fly the um, similar distances so from the bottom from perspective spectators point of view it can look like we're jumping the same but the women are taking more speed so I respect men a lot I look up to them. it's more tough it's a tougher competition for them because they have been around for 200 years versus the women where we're we are developing but you know we're definitely behind because we've been told no for so many years yes and my partner is totally fascinated with one of the reasons your women were always told no which had to do with effectiveness yes <laughs> Yeah, it's, I mean, we laugh at it, and it's completely, I mean, I don't like the word stupid, but it's just stupid, because there's so many other things that women do, downhill skiing, that are just as dangerous, and there's just no medical proof at all for any of that, so it's just a laughable mentality was, that they kept us out for a long time, and um, it was really frustrating, and luckily I had older women ahead of me to kind of plow down those um, barriers and I'm very thankful to be able to be a part of the Olympic Games now. Well we're so excited you. that you've gotten better Thank and you're you. healed and yep. you're ready to go back Definitely. and I have to tell you you're a lot shorter. Yeah I thought you were going to be, I expected Jumberler. Um, and, and traditionally um, <laughs> I didn't, I don't no, no, no. I'm shorter than you are I so I can say it. <laughs> I get it all the time but um, yeah traditionally um, Ski jumpers are tall, yeah. but um, it's it's really weight that matters. Okay. So there actually have been quite a few men lately that are quite small. So mm. like six and uh, 120, 
25 pounds because that's less weight. So there definitely are, are some tall ones, but the females are particularly small. And the Japanese girl, the other Sarah, she comes up to about here on me. Like me! <laughs> yeah, she's probably shorter. But, um... Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, you're kind of born with what you got and then you have with it. Absolutely. So you get lucky or you just have to work a little bit harder. Thank you for that, Allison. And and thank you for asking about her lady parts. Because <laughs> the, the audience doesn't know this, but when we were divvying up all the athletes we wanted to talk to at Winterfest, I was specifically forbidden to go near Sarah because that would have been the first thing out of my mouth. Right. I at least established some rapport with her first. <laughs> Before I discussed her lady parts, and she was very um, open, as you, I hope you can tell. We were laughing about it um, because it is something that historically has come up. Right. So now well, and can, there was a huge lawsuit, too, to yes. get them uh, in like 20, uh, 2011 after Vancouver. They weren't allowed yeah. for Vancouver, which is crazy because um, women have been doing what they call the four jumping since Lillehammer. So they would test the run ahead of time, just right before the competition to make sure it was okay for when the men competed, yet they weren't allowed to compete on their own. And in Vancouver, a woman was the, jumped the farthest, I believe. I'm going to have to, we'll have to, somebody sharpshoot us on that if we're wrong. But yet they couldn't freaking compete. Okay, so this, thank you for that perfect segue, because here's, here's my theory. Here's my two theories on they're related to why women have not been allowed to compete in ski jumping up until now. So first it's in 1924, when the event came in, you had this idea that our such precious wombs would be injured. And so that hung around for a long time. Okay. That hangs around, hangs around, hangs around. By the 60s, 70s, and certainly into the 80s, Medically, it's been proven wrong, but because you have that long tradition of them being excluded, it's establishment. Right. Then you also have the issue of what countries are very big in ski jumping. It's not the loud Americans who come in and sue people. It's the more polite countries like... You know, Norway, Finland, you know, the Scandinavian countries, the Central European countries, and not a litigious group. Right. So are the end, you know, home of the IOC in Switzerland. I don't know if they're going to take on if women and, and I am not saying that women in these countries do not fight for women's rights. I just don't think what's the word I'm looking for, help me. I don't want to say make as big a fuss about it, but they're going to be more genteel about the situation. Right, right. So then my other big thing, and Sarah and, and I were talking about this a little bit, the women and men, their results are very, very close. There is not a big difference to how far men jump and how far women jump. Men do not have a distinct advantage in results as opposed to other sports, you know, obviously in swimming, the hundred meter freestyle, the men go faster. Right. In running, in the dashes, the men are always faster. That is not the case in ski jump. And these old school men do not want the women competing 
because the men are not better. That's my bra burning theory of why women weren't allowed in ski jump. And, you know, here's the other thing, though. By 2014, the IOC had been starting its big push on, oh, we need to be more have more gender equality and look at us we're having more events for women blah 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 and let's pat ourselves on the back for for doing this and but just a few years earlier it was this contentious vote on whether or not to yes have it. i mean it's just crazy and and granted it's nice that they've changed their mind but it, it's crazy that it took until the 21st century to do so. And I'm sure there's plenty of guys out there who think, oh boy, why do we, why are we wasting our time with this event? Because, you know, the lady's got to go get home and uh, have some babies. But on a happier note, I'm going to say something happy about this. So first of all, Sarah was great to talk to, a lot of fun. And I hope so much that she meddles because now we spoke for 10 minutes. So she's my friend. Right. But more importantly, she's got America's sweetheart written all over her. She's beautiful. Mm -hmm. She's photogenic. She's cute. Mm -hmm. She can totally be the face of the sport. So for the sport that she loves and wants to build, I hope she medals. And I hope we splash her face all over Wheaties boxes and yogurt commercials and get her on the TV and get her in visa commercials so that other girls see her and say, I want to try that. Right. Because do we honestly think Lindsay Vaughn is the face of the Olympics because she's so fast on skis? No, it's because she's beautiful. She, she does not get all those. She is beautiful. I mean, I, we saw her in, por- in person. Yeah, but she's, she's beautiful. Fast. She is beautiful. She's also fast on skis. She is fast on skis. She is fast on skis, but there's a lot of people who are great in their sport. Right. Why has she gotten all the attention? Right. You know, and not, I, I am not begrudging it. And, I, and I, I apologize for sounding like I am. I'm just saying that Sarah could could fill that role. And I hope she does because I know she loves her sport and she could really be a key, but it's only going to work if she medals. And I hate to say that going back to last week's or two weeks ago, our conversation on Russia, but it's only going to work if she medals. Right. So good luck, Sarah. We're pulling for you on so many levels. Right. I'm actually, I'm rooting for every female ski jumper out there too. Yes. To do well, have a great competition. Yes. Just because it's, it's been about time and we've had, we've got one under our belts and now we get a second one and it's way to go. And aside, you know, when I was doing the research for this, all I could, what popped back into my mind was remember in 1984 when the women's marathon got put in the summer Olympics, because again, the uteruses were a problem. I think we have have a show topic. I mean, why is my uterus so much of a concern to the IOC? I don't understand. It's like, unless I'm having a child with you, Juan Antonio Samaranch, why do you care about my uterus? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think think on that note, it's a good time to segue into trivia. (laughs) 
Oh, we're doing trivia. Okay. Okay. Well, you we you got to go first. Okay, because I have one question. Right, and I I was I was very prepared this time. <laughs> <laughs> and we and we now know that we since we we burst the bubble that we we are capable of asking the same question. So yeah. my question is on uh, the V style that skater that ski jumpers use when they take yes. off. So when they take yes. off on the ramp, they have their skis in a nice little V. So the back is close and the tips are far apart. Yes. 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 And it uh, enables longer jumps yes. versus having your skis parallel to each other. Right? Yes. Are you going to ask me when it started? Yes. 1988? <laughs> yes. It was an Austrian guy, wasn't it? No, I don't think so. Uh, no, he was Swedish, Jan Bokloff. Oh, okay. Um, Swedish guy who who was in 1988 and 1992, sadly did not do all that well. He was further down in the rankings. I couldn't find out more of his story beyond the fact that he developed this technique. And it uh, <clears throat> it took a little while to get accepted from what I understood. But I did yes. spend some time watching uh, Calgary uh, jumps. So and some seeing... people had their straight skis and yes. he had the V skis. Yes, it was so cool. It was it was really interesting because I hadn't realized it. And, you know, that was a big ski jumping games. Um, or Was it? Yeah, because it had Monty Newcomb in. Oh, I remember was, him. Yeah, right? He's kind of the bad boy, brilliant jumper, but not necessarily the nicest person. And then 1988 was also Eddie the Eagle Edwards. Uh, we'll talk about him when we yeah. do our feel-good stories episode. Okay. <laughs> yeah, save him. <laughs> save him. The youngins don't know about him. <laughs> okay, so. Then then I should, should I save my surprise for you? <gasps> you have a surprise for me? I have me? a surprise for you. An Eddie the Eagle Edwards surprise. Oh. <gasps> Oh, now you have to tell me. Okay. All right. So uh, for those who don't know, Eddie the Eagle Edwards is Great Britain's only, or at the time was only ski jumper. And, and he was terrible. And he was horrible. He finished last, but he uh, he had wanted to be an Olympian and he figured out how to ski jump and he made it happen. He was horrible, but he was plucky and had some personality and uh, people just fell in love with him during the games. So um, I don't think the IOC and the the international federations were not too pleased that this guy could come out of nowhere because they changed the rules after him. Yes. And they said, uh, I I believe you just had had one qualifier that got you into the games or something at that point. And then they they did this, oh, no, you have to do this competitive cup cycle thing in order to get to the game. So it wasn't, you know, one person couldn't just magically on a fluke get in. So they were not thrilled with him. But Eddie, uh, he uh, he was quite infamous for a while after the games. And part of his infamy was recording this little song. Fly, Eddie, fly. Fly, Eddie, fly. Won't be landed and at least I have tried. I may have come last this time far behind the west. With some proper training, they'll be going upon my best. I've been borrowing skis and suits, the boots 
And for people who didn't see him jump, he is as good a singer as he was a jumper. <laughs> the truth. Oh, my God. Dear. And you know, this was back in 1988, but can you only imagine what he would sound like with today's technology? He, he would sound fantastic. He would. He would sound much better. Okay, I think I'm going to give you, for making me listen to that, the really hard <laughs> question. Okay, so one country uh, in ski jump has completed a metal sweep, so uh, gold, silver, bronze, of the normal hill event at home. Uh, Norway? Nope. And so it wasn't Lillehammer. Oh, wow. Are we going back? We were alive. We were alive. Okay. Was it 76 Innsbruck, Austria? No. It's not who you would expect. Is it? Oh, I don't need... I... Okay, so we were alive. So 70... Uh, oh, my gosh. I'm not giving away our ages. Um, <laughs> it wasn't 1980 like Placid, was it? Nope. No, I wouldn't think so. Because the last time the U.S. won even a medal was 24. Wow. Holy cow. Yeah, I know we, we traditionally do not do well in the sport, but we don't have a lot of facilities either, to be quite honest. Right. Right. Um, and there's just there's just not the ski jumping culture here. Well, it's not 88. It's was it in Albertville? Nope. Um <laughs> I, I, I wish, I wish everyone could see how hard you're thinking. <laughs> I mean, you're 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 gonna you're gonna work off some lunch with how hard you're thinking. Gosh, I hope so. I I gotta give up. Seventy two Sapporo. Oh, really? Japan yeah. swept. Japan. That's yeah. Japan swept the Normal Hill event. Wow. The only other sweeps. Uh, we were both large hill, 32 and 48 for Norway, but not at home. Wow, Japan, who knew? I know. That's fascinating. That's because you made me listen to the song. I would have given you a much easier question. Well, that's okay. And I didn't have my book next to me that I could look up. <laughs> still so mad. I, and I'm still so angry. Every time I open that book, I'm now angry because it's not up oh, to that date. Oh, that I don't have the stories from Vancouver. I don't have the stories from Sochi. We'll just have to rely on Bob Costas. Well, you can't do that anymore either. Oh, he's not. He's no. He let, he passed the torch. It's Mike. Uh, now I'm gonna mess up his name. Tracy T R I C I, who did a lot of the like late night. I think last year. And I, I never I never stay up for late night. I'm too old. Um, and he might have done some, or might have done some daytime. Some Saturday days, yeah, let's, stuff. Let's, but he did a good job. But he was, he was, he was a point. He was anointed. Um, all right. Oh, Mike Tirico. Mike Tirico. Thank you. Oh, I like him. Yeah, he's gonna be good. I mean, he's not my boyfriend Bob Costas, but he's gonna do a really good job. So I'm excited. Yeah. And as long as it's not Ryan Seacrest, can you imagine? Or Mary Carillo. We all know how I feel about Mary Carillo. <laughs> Understand. Okay. 
I know. Okay, happy, better things. Better things. Moving we got on. some news. We got Little some news. Be a news. We got mascots. Yes, so more mascot news. Um, because even though we're really close to Pyeongchang, another Olympics is uh, still in preparations. So Tokyo 2020 re- announced its three finalists for the Olympic and Paralympic mascots. And uh, they're branding the vision innovation from harmony with these choices. So, and Which then I have happens- no idea what that means. <laughs> It means, you know what it means? It means we get three sets of mascots that we don't really know what they look like or what they're supposed to be. Yes. So if you go to the Tokyo 2020 website, you will see there is uh, a s- three sets of two mascots each. Um, they all look like Pokemon characters. Right. None of them are real animals, which we've discussed before. We prefer real oh, animals. Isn't one of them supposed to be like a fox? Well, they're all supposed to be like something, but they're not really. Right. One, uh, one set has the checkered pattern that is in the Tokyo logo. Yes. And then one set has a... Um... Their eyes have the colors. Okay. And then the third set has uh, like uh, traditional markings on them all over. I guess you would call that that. And they have scarves. This is the summer games. Why do they have scarves? Oh, is it, yeah. I guess maybe they're ribbons. They look no, they are scarves. Anyway, they'll be voting on these. The school kids are getting involved. Right, I am you get to choose, choose why. You know, saying a little prayer for the Japanese school children and their aesthetic values. <laughs> I don't want the little turquoise vampire thing. Okay. I'm not a big fan of like the tattooed tigerish animal i think i like the square anime things you like the, the square best. anime i actually like the tattooed animals because they look cutest to me um oh you don't like the sly little smile on the yeah they're kind of cute the square guys they're kind of cute but again i like the paralympic one on uh the third option uh so the, the, no, is that the red the one or the white one yeah yeah i'm not a big fan of this white cat-like uh animal that looks you like, like the red bear like foxy bear like animal. Yes, because yeah. it looks cute. Uh, the cat looks a little vacant to me and a little scary. So, yeah. yeah, I guess if you want personality, the first anime pair with the squares, because they don't have names yet. They, they have not been named. I guess they'll be named after they're selected. The kids will be voting uh, from December 11th through the 22nd of February. So will this be announced at the end of um, Pyeongchang? This will be uh, announced on the 28th of February, shortly after the closing ceremonies. Okay, good. Something to look forward to when we're going through withdrawal. Yes, exactly. <laughs> we love mascots. <laughs> so that's exciting. And on that note, I think that's about it for this week. I'm just yeah, so I'm still is, seeing... is your uterus okay? It's okay, but my brain's not okay. My brain is yeah, still mad. My... So, yeah, our uterus hasn't been injured by this episode. <laughs> Shoo. <laughs> I was a little nervous there. You know, I got to go take care of hearth and home. Go do some housework now. That's right. So we better get to getting help our, help our the men folk in our lives have a better one. I don't even know how to say that. 
gotta go clean out the barn. Yeah. For the men folk. <laughs> go cook a three course meal. Yeah, go go put a crock on the fire. Before he comes <laughs> in from working in the fields. That, that's okay. All right. Well, we'll be back next week again with more tales of Olympic glory. Um, we've got some really cool stuff in the works, so we're excited to bring it to you. And uh, we will see you all next week. Stay in touch. Email us at olymfever at gmail.com. That's O-L-Y-M fever at gmail. You can also leave us a voicemail at 530-763-3837. That's 530-70-FEVER. We're on Twitter at Olympfever, and you can join in the conversation at our Facebook group, Olympic Fever Podcast. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, keep the flame alive. It's actually one of the safest winter Olympic sports.